I'm your host, Fraser Bailey, and welcome to the VegUp Podcast, where we talk mindset, psychology, plant-based nutrition, lifestyle, and big dreams. So if you want to get your head in the game, level up, and become the best version of you, listen in. Let's go. The truth about the butchery and when I worked as a butcher, the absolute truth, and waking up from the matrix, seeing cultural paradigms, and recognizing that so many of us are running on operating systems. Wow, that was a bit of a mouthful, wasn't it, guys? So this morning, I wanted to talk more about... This, all, this stuff always ties into mindset and your attitude and your perspectives in life. And I love talking about mindset and, and entrepreneurship and business and all those things because I feel like those things are, are what give people really cool, tangible steps to improve the quality of their life. But at the same time, I also recognize that veganism is a huge part of my life, my vision for people, what I do professionally. And I will go a step further and talk about how I actually think that when you embrace a vegan diet or lifestyle, it actually can help you in many, many other areas of your life in terms of overcoming adversity, overcoming challenges, but also seeing the world differently. You all of a sudden recognize how many things you think are conscious decisions are actually operating systems. And I'm going to explain this with the, the matrix analogy. <clears throat> so think of it like this. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, The Matrix. I hope you have. I hope you're not <laughs> so young that you haven't seen that. I mean, it's an older, it's so crazy. It's an older movie now, but it's so relevant. And I feel like it's, it doesn't feel that old, but it really is like 20 years old or something crazy. But the movie, The Matrix with Keanu Reeves is essentially this whole concept around Neo, um, Neo, wait, his name is in the movie is Neo, and he's a, pro, a programming, software programming guy, and he always feels like there's something not right in the world, you know, it's this like lingering feeling, this unconscious, semi-conscious discomfort about just life and the way that we're living, and the way that we operate, and he knows that just there's something missing. There's something not right with this whole system. And anyway, he goes into this whole rabbit hole world where these people, this uh, guy Morpheus, finds him. And he believes that Neo is, quote-unquote, the one. And the one is the person who basically dismantles the Matrix. The Matrix is essentially... A computer it's an operating system so what has happened in this movie and this you can draw so many analogies from this movie into real life even though it is a seemingly fictional story where machines artificial intelligence has taken over the world and they actually now keep humans in these little pods where they drain the, the, the life force from these people. So they, they have this like this food that they're it's like a amniotic fluid. It's almost like being in a, a in a womb. 
and the people don't even know they're in there so they're born in there and they live in there and then they die in there and while they're alive they generate energy for these machines to survive now this whole concept can be you can look at this concept and you can see so many different parallels with the way that we live and the way that we treat other sentient beings and i'm going to talk about that in a second but coming back to the matrix so neo wakes up because they give him this pill and he wakes up and he comes out of this womb and they they rescue him in this air this sort of aircraft thing and it's it's like a hundred years ahead of the time that he thinks and basically what's happened is that they run a computer simulation so the way they keep people alive in these artificial wombs where they draw energy from them is they run them through this artificial simulation where they think that they're in New York City and they think it's the year 2000 and they think that they're eating a steak or broccoli or they you know and they think that they're doing all these things but it's not actually real it's not actually them it's programming it's simulations it's things that they have fallen into this belief that they think is conscious choice or them and it's not even that and that is what was niggling at him for so long and I often tell people that going vegan and waking up out of that system is so much like waking up out of the matrix for, for a couple of different reasons one you, you step back and you not only see a lot of your own unconscious programming around food, around the beliefs around food, beliefs around what's a food animal and what is a pet animal, like a dog or a cat versus a cow or a chicken or a pig. And you start to recognize, oh my God, I never questioned this before. This, this matrix, this programming was running in the background of my mind, driving decisions and beliefs that I thought I was choosing but I wasn't. It was an operating system. It was programming. And when you start to question that, you start to wonder, oh my God, what else am I running in the background that's driving my decisions that I think is a conscious decision? What other programmings and mechanisms are there? And you can see them around politics. You can see them around religion. You can see them around race, sex, around like your perspectives on war and, and military, like there's so many different things that you start to notice, oh my God, these beliefs that I had. And it's not to say that anything is right or wrong, but it's to recognize that so much of what we think is conscious choice is actually operating systems. And coming out of that, and the reason why I think that veganism shines light on that is because it is the path of the minority most people are not vegan yet most people do not have vegan views most people have been raised to believe that food animals are there for us to eat that we have a we're entitled to eat them that it's healthy to eat them that it's necessary that we don't even actually question often where our food comes from and i often think to myself and i say there's a reason why they take little kids on school trips to blueberry farms or orchards and not to slaughterhouses because <clears throat> if they took them to slaughterhouses they would be so traumatized and you've got to understand that 
that is saying something about our natural default moral tendency. Our natural default moral tendency for most people, unless you are a sociopath or a psychopath, is to have compassion. Like if you see a dog or a cat being beaten on the street, your natural tendency is to intervene. Your natural tendency is to want to call um, police or, or, or do something about it because you don't want to see that happen. And you, even if you're not a dog lover or a cat lover, you still don't want to see someone do that. And it's the same with like if you saw a child being beaten. You might not like kids. You might not have any desire to be a parent. But you still understand that inside that's not right. Being vegan is taking that analogy or that paradigm and taking it a step further and understanding that any sentient being that has the ability to feel pain, suffering and love and, and human connection or connection with their species and family hierarchy and all these experiences that we feel because we are an animal as well, that if we can choose to move down the path of less harm, it and it doesn't affect us negatively, why would we not do that? And I did not see that for the longest time, guys. And I'm not here preaching, saying, oh, you know, if you're still there, that you're, you're a lesser person. But I will say you need to work on developing yourself and seeing these things and wanting to challenge the status quo and one, because you're curious about what you're, where your own potential is. You know, don't settle with where you are. And <clears throat> coming back to the matrix analogy, Again, if we look at the way that these humans were raised in these farms and used as an energy source, we can see that there's a lot of parallels with that regarding how we keep animals in slaughterhouses and factory farms and use them, right? And so we would look at this system that these machines have created to house us and we think, oh my God, that's awful like how could they do that to the human race like we want to break free we want to have a war and like destroy these machines and overcome this not realizing that we are perpetuating that system to other beings imagine if an alien race came down that was seemingly more intelligent than us and decided to enslave us because they thought we were more stupid that's exactly how we operate with animals Many of us think that, oh, because they aren't as intelligent as us, that we should, we have a right to do what we want with them. You could say, does that, and then you think about it to yourself. If someone was handicapped, right, and they have the IQ, and they're an adult, but they have the IQ of a baby, or even a baby, and they're not, they're not as intelligent as you, is that moral grounds to use them how you want? It's not. So intelligence or level of awareness is not a grounds for use when you think about it from the things that we compare it to but then we don't recognize all the blind spots that we have in our lives and I want to come back to this because this is important guys whether you're vegan or not the blind spots are the things that are holding you back from self-actualizing your true potential the blind spots are the things that you are not doing yet that could give you the most growth in your life and so when you're thinking about veganism for example and you might have this natural default tendency to go oh god i could never do that why would i want to do that i love meat so much i love i love eating meat like all my family have always done this it's always been done this way i could never imagine life without cheese 
All these things are limiting beliefs in your head that are holding you back from being optimally healthy and just breaking through in so many other areas in your life. And so that matrix analogy is really relevant if you understand the mechanisms by which we make decisions. And I've spent my li- my adult life studying human psychology and understanding the human mind. And I can tell you that so much of what we think is conscious choice is programming. And so what this whole podcast is designed to do and what I always want to do is dismantle a lot of that programming that's been given to us as children, that's been given to us through society and mainstream media, and chew- and, and step back and ask yourself, is this objectively true if I compare it to other areas of my life and shine light on other areas, for example? So like coming back to that analogy about, you know, would you use a handicapped person because they're not as intelligent as you? No, you wouldn't. So why would you do that to an animal that's maybe not as intelligent? And or would you eat your dog? Or would you, if you saw an animal being beaten on the street, would you intervene? Yes, you most likely would. So why would you do that to another animal? For example, like pigs are more intelligent than dogs. Yet people eat bacon and they make jokes about bacon, but then they have pet dogs. And if you can't see those blind spots, then you might as well turn this podcast off right now and just go back to what you were doing. Go back to watching mainstream media and Netflix because I can't help you break through if you're not even willing to assess the conditionings and the paradigms in your life and ask yourself is this inherently true and it's the same with hunting and fishing for example that is a cultural paradigm that's being given to us through and it's it's a masculine connective tool and so our forefathers took their 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 sons out because at at a certain point in time maybe that was a necessity to survive and it was used as a bonding tool and that bonding tool created connection and, and, and friendship and relationships. There was a certain point in time where those things were not necessarily inherent anymore for us to survive. But we became addicted to them as a bonding tool. And we couldn't see our life without those things as a bonding tool. It's the same with if people are addicted to drinking. Part of it is like, they're like, oh my God, all my friends drink. What am I going to do now? And so part of it is this ostracification of like worrying about being kicked out of the tribe. There's a mechanism here, guys. There's a survival mechanism here whereby if back in evolutionary times, we needed the tribe to survive. We needed the approval of others to survive. We could not survive alone. And so there's this fear of being rejected and there's this fear of being alone that is ingrained in us from an evolutionary perspective. And that's why we fear stepping away from all these societal norms because we worried about being rejected by our peers. Not understanding that sometimes if you frame it the right way, you can actually inspire them. That's my whole perspective. Stop looking at it from a place of lack. Look at it from a place of, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kick butt doing this. So when people see me doing it, they're going to be curious and I'm not going to be a judgmental prick about it. And I'm going to bring good energy to the conversation. And I'm not going to let those stupid comments get under my skin because at the end of the day, people are just speaking through programming. They don't understand. It's the same reason why you might have family members who 
like understand the health benefits. They see you doing it. They see all the good food and they still can't be vegan. And you're like, what is wrong with this person? Like, did they get a lobotomy? Like, is their brain not working? No, they're addicted to food. They're addicted to nostalgia. They are addicted to family hierarchy, cultural conditionings where their parents made the best cheesy lasagna and they have this nostalgia around being French or Italian or around being a New Zealander. And so they have this whole family conditioning and cultural expectation around what food should look like. And they want to maintain that because that is what gives them some kind of emotional satisfaction. They're addicted to those things. It's not even a rational choice. It's an addiction and it's a subconscious pattern. And they don't even see that. They think that I just like this because I like it. No, you like it because it's been given to you since birth. You like it because it's been a pattern that's been ingrained again and again and again and again and again. Your body has been conditioned to see it as a reward mechanism. That's why you like it. That's why you don't like the, unhe- the healthy food because you haven't ingrained that reward pattern enough yet and you haven't given enough time. I want to come back to my story as a butcher and what I saw because a lot of people online when they share slaughterhouse videos or they share things that are in meat for example they're like oh that doesn't happen in my country that happens in like Thailand or something you know what I mean and one of the things that I will tell you is I worked in the largest butchery in New Zealand at the time and I don't know if it's the largest now but at the time it was the largest then and I think from memory we would do like 50 over up to $50,000 of, of turnover per day. So very big commercial operation. And we would have a lot of animal products come through the store very quickly all the time. So I was getting like a macro view of what was happening, whereas other butchers might get a micro view. They might get, you know, 10 hindquarters, which is like the back leg of a cow come in over a week. We might get 100 And so I was seeing things from a macro perspective. And I can tell you now that, I'll give you some examples straight off the top of my head. Ground beef or ground meats typically have a lot of other garbage in them. So like when I was an apprentice, I was instructed to put lamb fat, lamb flaps, pig's lymph nodes, just offcuts of fats from different animals into the ground meat to increase the yield. That was one example of increasing yield. It's all about increasing yield to maximize profit. It's not about your health, period. That's I want you to get that right out of the gate. And I want you to share this with people so they understand this. I did this every day for years and years and years. So it was not like a one-off occasion. Anything I'm telling you is something that I saw over and over and over again. Another thing that they would do is they would take the discolored meat that was close to ex- expiration dates that clearly had an odor and we would throw it back into the ground meat for sausages or burgers or just like ground mince meat type stuff. And if we put in enough fresh meat, it would it would mask the old stuff. So as long as the ratio was high enough, you could then mask it and then you would put it on sale. You'd move it that day and people would go and, and, and buy it. And you'd get rid of the old stock rather than throwing it away. Another thing that we would do is we would marinate it. So we would either marinate it with like a barbecue marinade or, or we would crumb it. And through the crumbing it or marinating it, you would often hide the discoloration and you would hide the smell and the odor. And then you'd run it for a sale and you'd push it out and get it off the shelves. That was another strategy and we'd do that all the time. I would see when I would be working on the bandsaw, for example, 
I would be cutting up pork loins or lamb legs and we would hit cysts and abscesses all the time, especially with pork and cows. So we would hit these big like green sort of gray abscesses, cancers, you, you name it. We would hit them and there was no decontamination protocol for any of this. I had like a dirty rag on the side of the bandsaw that we would wipe the pus or whatever the heck it was off the bandsaw and we would trim away any of the stuff that was clearly discolored and that would go into a rendering bin that would be used for pet food. So your pets are eating this crap and that's why pets are so diseased as well. And then we would keep processing, we would send it down the packing line, the packers would wipe off any of the obvious sort of stuff that was smeared over the meat, and it would go out on the shelf. So there was no decontamination protocols, you know, it's not like being in a hospital where if, you know, everyone's wearing garments and there's like some special like protocol where you have to like clean all the surfaces down to stop bacterial spread or any of that stuff, none of those things. And so this would happen all the time. And so then people wonder why they get food poisoning and why they get disease states from eating this stuff. They don't even know what's on their food. They've done studies and tests and they found there was fecal matter on the majority of meat that people eat. Fecal matter. And the reason why is because the animals literally shit themselves when they are being slaughtered. And you can't, it's very hard to stop that going everywhere. So it goes all over the car, all over their skin. And then as they're going through the slaughterhouse, their skin gets ripped off. The crap gets on the carcass. And even if you're washing it and boiling it, you might miss parts. Like, trust me, when you are doing a big mechanized system and you're killing thousands and millions of animals a day, you are going to miss so many things. And that's what happens. And I would see these things all the time. I would see um, animals, for example, that had, were, the meat was very, very sloppy, especially in lambs and pigs, and even in some cows. And that's a high lactic acid response. So there's apparently, when I was learning through my apprenticeship, the reason for this is a high lactic acid content. And what, what precursors that? An, adre an adrenaline response so these animals are scared out of their mind right before they die and there's so much adrenaline running through their body their lactic acid threshold is through the roof and that's what results in the meat being really really sloppy and sticky and the reason why they mention that is because it's very dangerous to work with when you're running it through the bandsaw and so and, and the quality is not as good and it's 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 tougher and so people don't understand that these animals are in an absolute state of fear I went through slaughterhouses, or in, in uh, New Zealand called Meatworks, when I was an apprentice, and I saw what happens. And there's a book called Eating Animals by Jonathan Safran Four, and so just search the book Eating Animals, and he has slaughterhouse testimonials over and over again where they confirm that many many animals get dismembered while they are still conscious. There is so much abuse and violence in the butchery and slaughterhouse industry. You pretty much have to be a semi-deranged person to work in, that, in those places. I can attest to the fact that I was really mentally unstable when I worked in there, and that's a big part of why I never saw it as being wrong. I was suffering so much, and this is why you also need to have sympathy towards a lot of people who may, may be in those industries and or are not vegan, recognizing that they have their own mental problems. Most people have tons of mental problems, and so they can barely help themselves, let alone contemplate helping someone else, let alone not even a, a human. And so from that perspective, they're suffering. 
and most of the people that worked in the butchery with me had all kinds of dysfunction and addiction period and I have and I've read this and these testimonies from these slaughterhouse workers where this is also true and I remember seeing a cow with a bolt gun slipped off the side of the cow's head but because there's such a pipeline of animals coming through they pushed her through and they cut her throat while she was still conscious I mean I could tell I didn't have to be a neuroscientist and understand the mechanisms of the brain and how a bolt gun works on the brain to understand that she was clearly conscious while she was being dismembered and I think to myself, what evolved society does that to another being that is capable of love and feeling? And really step back and ask ourselves, if we can be truly optimally healthy on a plant-based diet and inflict less harm, why would we contribute to the suffering? And it took me a long time to get there, guys. I did not make that connection when I even... I didn't make that connection even when I saw this happen. So I want you to understand that that's how deep the programming runs. Like, especially for people who have grown up around dairy farmers or as hunters or in, in these environments where meat is a huge part of the family dynamic. It's very hard to see the that conditioning. Often we don't want to. We want to think that it's a normal, natural process. But it's not. It's not a normal natural process. And I saw this and I saw chickens getting their throats cut with razors and getting their heads dipped in electrical baths. I mean, it's like just really, really crazy stuff. And I think that the majority of people, if they actually saw these things happen in the full magnitude of it, they would be vegan. And for me, I went vegan for a number of different reasons. One, Lauren was reading this book, The World Peace Diet by Dr. Will Tuttle. And the book really vibed with me because at the time I was like really coming to this spiritual awakening in my own life where I was looking at the world and I was like, I want to be someone who's peaceful. I want to be someone who represents peace and is a evolved human being and can, and, and can grow and break through conditions and patterns. And then I thought to myself, well, what if like eating meat and eating animal products is one of those patterns? Why don't I challenge myself to do that? And if I'm sharing a message of, hey, like we should be more peaceful and we shouldn't be violent towards each other as humans, but we're doing that to, to animals, there's a blind spot there. And I thought to myself, God damn, like I'd never questioned that before and I'd never seen that. I honestly just thought it was a normal part of the process. You know, when you see your parents and their parents go through these things and they never question it and you're given meat as a young child and that's just the way it is, you never think about these things, you know, and that's that matrix operating, guys. It operates under the surface. And so from that perspective, this whole, con and, and you know, like one of the things that I want to put forward to people is this whole concept called speciesism. So speciesism is this premise by which that we think because we're human, that we are more entitled or that we somehow have some right to use animals like we want. And so you look at it from this perspective of, always frame it back from this perspective of how would we feel if some more intelligent alien race came to, to earth and enslaved and used us? How would that feel? And they even ran a post once on this really popular um, Facebook page and it was crazy to see the dissonance. So in one month they said... Um, would it be morally acceptable if an alien race came to the earth who were more intelligent than us 
more sophisticated than us and and stronger than us because they had more you know technology would it be morally permissible for them to enslave us and use us and eat us and the majority of the poll was like no that's wrong like you know I, it was literally like 98% of the poll said no it's wrong and then there was 2% who said yes it's okay so the majority of people said no that's wrong then they ran another poll and they said is it morally permissible for humans to eat and use animals because we are more sophisticated, we are more intelligent, and we have more technology than them. And the majority of people say, yes, it's the same question. How can you ask the same question and get a completely inverted response? How? Programming. Systems, operating systems running in your mind you cannot see. You think you're making conscious, rational decisions. They're not. They're through the lens of your distorted programming. And that really shone light on the dis- cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance is essentially this that, that exact example of where you have a moral expectation in one area, but you're not applying it across the board. And so you might defend cats and dogs, or you might rescue cats and dogs from suffering, but then you're eating cows and pigs and chickens. That disconnect is called cognitive dissonance, and it's driven by two things. One, it's driven by this concept called speciesism. So speciesism is this premise around, like I was saying, because we think we're more intelligent and we are quote-unquote top of the food chain or whatever whatever arguments we want to come up with, we think that we have a moral hierarchy over other animals. That's essentially a form of speciesism, understanding that any animal that has the ability to love, have a connection, feel pain and suffering and want to fight for their life and survival should have a right to survive just like us, just like we have a right to survive. That's why we have laws, for example, protecting us from being murdered or raped or used. And these, it doesn't apply to these animals, but it applies to humans. So we do have these laws in place to protect people. And like I was saying, you don't have to love kids or want to be a parent to not harm a, a child. You don't have to love dogs or cats to not want to harm a cat or dog. It's just like you don't have to be an animal lover or you don't have to have compassion for a pig in, the, in a slaughterhouse or um, in, a, you know, in, a, in a system like this to have a a moral compass that says, I'm not going to do this because I want to be in alignment across the board with all of my stuff. I feel like that's going to make me a better person. And it does, because it really starts to make you question everything in your life. You start to question all the patterns and all the programmings and all the limiting beliefs and stories that you have in your head. People say things like, oh, but I just miss and I love the taste of meat. You only miss and love it is because it's been a part of your life, your whole life. If you had done any type of pattern your entire life, you would be addicted to that process neurologically. And so you've got to understand that there's chemicals and there's neurological wiring that's driving those words coming out of your mouth. It's not, it's not even a conscious thing. Those words are literally driven by chemicals in your brain based on repetitive patterns. And so... The more people say that, the more stuck you, you will remain. Like, if you can see that, oh my God, we're, disempowering sentences like, I miss meat, I just love the taste of this, I could never live without cheese, I love bacon too much, 
Guys, I can tell you now, period, that if you have those types of thoughts run through your head, you're not actualizing your potential in many other areas of your life. And I mean that. Because those, lim- those are just limiting beliefs. Those are stories. And if you are allowing your mouth to speak such nonsense, I can guarantee you that you're allowing your mouth to speak nonsense in other areas of your life that are stopping you getting towards your goals. And I absolutely believe that. And I will pinpoint them for you if you gave me a chance. And so you need to challenge yourself. You need to challenge your own weakness and BS and be like, that is some weak ass BS stories I'm telling myself. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to break these paradigms. And that's exactly what I did. I thought to myself, if I've overcome so many mental health challenges in my life, what else am I missing? Ah, maybe I try veganism because I want to get in alignment with my values. I want to see how healthy I can be because it's the road less traveled because most people don't have the courage or the intestinal fortitude to try it. I want to do that because it's the harder thing. And not only do I want to do it, but I want to kick butt doing it. So people will look at me and be like, damn, that dude is like a beast. And I can prove to myself. And it's less about even proving it to other people. And it's about proving to myself what I'm capable of and what is possible for my own life. I'm not going to let some freaking food keep me captive. I'm not going to let a goddamn cheese pizza or a piece of steak keep me captive in my mind. That's weakness. And, I'll, and, I, and I mean that. And it's, I'm not here to judge people who are still there. But I'm saying for me, if I allowed myself to perpetuate that still, that is weakness for me. And so you need to have that kind of tenacious attitude and be like, man, I'm going to level up. But I can tell you that the path least traveled is veganism. The past most traveled that most people fall into is this concept called carnism. Carnism is a concept that was termed by Dr. Melanie Joy, who is a psychologist who studies this principle around and the opposite ideology to veganism. So people often think that veganism is like a thing and then you, you do veganism and we just live the normal way that we always live. The opposite to veganism is carnism. It's the dominant ideology. And carnism is based around aggression and, ta- and, and all these principles that I just talked about around taking other sentient beings that have the ability to feel love, bond, and using them. It's this principle around dominance. And you can see this manifest itself in politics. You can see this manifest itself in war and conflict and religion. That's where this emanates from. This carnistic ideology is it drives a lot of the human on human interaction and we don't even see that and it's very very important to understand that that is an ideology that people subscribe to because it's been given to us through the ages it's been taught to us again carnism is essentially the matrix it's this giant operating system of beliefs about what is normal and natural and necessary and and morally right And it's not even stuff that we've objectively stepped back to assess. Our parents gave it to us. Their parents gave it to us. Society gives it to us. Culture gave it to us. And we fall into this belief pattern that it's true. And so what other dominant ideologies are there in your life that you are falling into that are holding you back today, guys? That's my message. I I want to tell you 
that everything I saw in the butchery, all the suffering, all the addiction, all the dysfunction, that happened all the time. It happened all the time. And the things I saw in the slaughterhouse, that happened. And that happens all the time. If you are interested in personal development and growth and actualizing your true potential, you need to understand these things and challenge yourself. It's so much more than just health, than optimizing blood work or or getting some fat loss. It is literally self-actualizing you as a human being and unplugging yourself from the matrix. Imagine your potential. You've probably overcome hard things in your life already. If you can overcome things like this that are dominant ideologies, you can change anything in your life. You can achieve any goal in your life. But you have to have the tenacity and the desire and the ability and the willingness to reframe the stories in your life that you think are true and that you think are necessary, and that you think are normal. Because it's not normal. Being average is not normal. Well, it is normal. Being average is normal. But you don't want to be average. You want to be above average. You want to be superhuman. You want to actualize your potential. I was meaning being above average is not normal, guys. You can do that today. But it starts with seeing these operating systems, shining light on them, challenging them, noticing the words that come out of your mouth in all areas of your life. That is the message that I want to share with you today. And this is coming from a former super mentally ill, a drug addicted, alcoholic butcher. And look at where I am today. And I still haven't even scratched the surface of what I'm capable of. And I share this not to brag. I share this to allow you to understand that I'm just like you. I just chose the path of more resistance. And you can do that too if you truly want to create significant change in your life today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Veg Up podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live. Please leave us a review and share this on social media. Tag me. Let me know what helped you. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Let's get this information out to the world. Help me do that. And be sure to email us over at Fraser at EvolvingAlpha.com for coaching options and mentorship. Because if you want growth, it begins here, my friend.